0: my name is scott challoner and you are listening to the leaders council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running as regular listeners of this program will know, part of our mission here at the Leaders Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. And today, that mission takes us all the way to Asia, where we're joined by Maria Katova, Global Business Development Manager and Senior Advisor at Dezan Shira and Associates. Jezan is a Pan-Asia multidisciplinary professional services firm providing market entry, legal accounting, tax HR, tech and operational advisory services to international investors. Quite the mix. Um, Maria, very warm welcome to you today and by all means, thank you for joining us on the show.
1: Thank you Scott for having me today. It's a great pleasure to join you on this program.
0: Yeah, it's a real pleasure having you alongside us as well, Maria. Um, I've only, of course, there given a very brief overview as to what it is that Dezan Shira, of course, does. Um, but just for the listeners tuning in, um, could you just expand a little bit on the work of your business in your own words, please? Uh,
1: yeah, sure. Um, for the past 30 years, we uh, help British businesses with market entry advisory and ongoing compliance from both uh, legal and financial perspectives. We cover a pretty broad area in Asia, actually, uh, with 24 offices across uh, the region, including China, India, and ASEAN countries.
0: Yeah, fantastic. So plenty of activity, of course, in um, the, the, on the Asian continent. And Something which is of particular interest to businesses in Great Britain at the moment is investment in the Vietnamese market. And that's something that I want to sort of talk about um, in a bit more detail today. Um, we often hear um, that the Vietnamese economy is referred to as a miracle in that it's performing as well as it is. Um, what is the story, Maria, behind the Vietnamese economy and why it does tend to do so well?
1: Uh, right. Uh, it's actually a very good question to start with, because a lot of people don't realize how fast the economy grew over the f- past three decades. Um, Vietnam basically grew from one of the poorest countries in the world to the middle-income one in just three decades. And uh, um, everyone, everyone remembers the Vietnamese war. Mm. Uh, it, it lasted 20 years, and in 1975 uh, it was ended. And the harsh past war crackdown led to the collapse of the Vietnamese economy, actually. Uh, at that time, per capita income was about 200 to $300 in the mid-80s. Um, so you can imagine the country was ruined, the economy was ruined, and it's hard to imagine how, uh, <laughs> how the economy performs uh, these days. And uh, uh, mainly it was driven uh, by the economic reforms, um, political reforms, Uh, It was implemented by the government in uh, 1986. It was called uh, Doi Moi. Uh, Forgive me for my Vietnamese. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And the original focus of this reform was on the agricultural sector because 70% of the workforce actually worked in fields. Mm. So uh, they took approach of moving away from collectivization to the private business development where farmers were allowed to put their own price Uh, to keep the profit, Uh, government also uh, reduced and scaled down significantly the amount of monopolies. It was like almost like 10 times uh, reduction and that also had their effect. At the same year, um, government created the first law on foreign investment. Uh, It enabled foreign companies to invest in Vietnam. And it was revised several times uh, since then uh, to encourage foreign businesses to invest, to ease the, uh, you know, uh, the the doing business in Vietnam kind of status. Mm. Uh, So it has external liberalization with domestic reforms through deregulation and lowering the cost of doing business in, in the country. So Vietnam also looked at the outside. So They implemented the policy of one door, uh, of opening the door. And uh, it led to various free trade agreements that were signed over the past 20 years. Uh, So in uh, 1995, uh, Vietnam signed the first free trade agreement with Asian countries. And then in 2007, it joined uh, WTO. So after that, there were several other free trade agreements with different countries signed uh, with China, Japan, U.S., and so on. So uh, it dramatically lowered the tariffs to uh, hosted countries. Moreover, uh, recently, uh, uh, like the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership was uh, established, Mm. and Vietnam is an active member of this. It expected to cover 30% of the world's population. So it's a very big deal for, for Vietnam. Uh, if you look at uh, UK and Vietnam relationship uh, in uh, May last year, uh, Vietnam uh, and UK free trade agreement also came into effect, uh, paving the way for continued and increasing trade between the countries. Yeah. So finally, uh, if we also look at the at the last factor that also. Uh, contributed to the uh, to the miracle, as we call it, uh, is actually heavy investment into human and physical capital. So Vietnam made a large public investment in primary education. This was a necessary move uh, as the growing population also means like uh, a lot of need for job and it led to the development of uh, skilled workforce, which has increased productivity and competitiveness over the time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it seems that by looking outward from the very beginning and making it easy to go and do business in Vietnam, it's been easy to bring investment into the country and increase that productivity, increase that competitiveness. Um, you say, of course, that it's grown exponentially from like a, a sort of a poor country to a middle income country in just three decades. So, um, in the present day, um, what is the current state of Vietnam's economy and uh, the investments in the marketplace? What is um, in play there at the moment?
1: Right. Today, we see that uh, Vietnam is a fast-growing middle-income country uh, with almost 100 million population. Uh, its GDP recorded last year to uh, about uh, 290 billion euros dollars, and it's actually estimated to grow 6.5% uh, this year. It's a positive scenario, actually. Uh, it might be 6%, but uh, some... some um, Varzha was saying it might be 6.5. Uh, so uh, it's worth also noting that Vietnam is the, the only major Southeast Asia co- uh, country and economy which avoided the recession in 2020 when mm. worldwide economies were struggling with COVID pandemic. Uh, this achievement shows the resilience of Vietnamese economy with good development plans and a filling destination for products and capitals from overseas. So right now, uh, Vietnam is an export-based economy. Uh, it means that a good portion of uh, GDP generated comes uh, from exports. Uh, so the domestic market is becoming more and more interesting for both local and foreign companies. Uh, and Vietnam is characterized by a numerous and fast-growing middle class currently. So it's it's accounting to 35 million people, so it's basically the quarter of the total population in the country. Mm. So the consumption market promises to explode in the coming time. So if you look at the income uh, of this uh, population group, uh, it's forecast to skyrocket to at least 15,000 US dollars by 2033, which uh, this makes a significant impact on local consumption habits. With luxury brands likely increasing their sales uh, in upcoming years, but also new, different kind of products likely to surge in demand. Uh, so, as I said, like uh, economy is fueled by strong exports and also a solid inflow of foreign capital, mm. which stood stable over the last uh, few years, regardless uh, of the pandemic. Uh, we uh, we saw uh, about twenty billion euros dollars worth of foreign capital invested into uh, like new projects last year and the main recipient of those uh, investments are of course manufacturing processing it's amount accounting to about 60 um, percent. Other areas uh, of investment were electricity production, distribution, uh, wholesale retail like real estate technology and so on. And we also see the trend uh, develop over the past years where foreign investors are incorporating Vietnam into their China plus one strategy uh, as they come to realize that uh, their global supply chain is largely China centric mm. and hence vulnerable to unpredictable scenarios, whether uh, that be um, trade wars or the great decoupling of the US and China. This is usually topped off with a statement of companies seeking to combat the rising costs. Uh, after all, average manufacturing wages have tripled uh, in the world's second economy, like basically China, while Vietnamese remains a fraction of the price.
0: It's incredible, isn't it? And um, obviously, we talk about Vietnam's economy being a miracle anyway, but it seems that it even remained an anomaly during COVID. It didn't slip into recession, investor confidence wasn't shaken because there was still foreign capital going into the country. Um, you did mention, of course, that um the supply chain there is very sort of china-centric. Um I know, of course, yeah. it's not sort of the acute phase of the pandemic because we're seeing lockdowns back in China at this point in time. Is that having an effect yeah. in Vietnam at the moment at all?
1: Yeah, the pandemic, um uh, actually, at the very early stage when uh, China and other economies were you know blocked and uh, there were heavy lockdowns, Vietnam didn't experience the same. Story and uh, only the fourth wave of the pandemic uh, had the significant blow on Vietnam, resulting to strict movement restrictions and lockdowns. Uh, in general, we experienced delays in uh, and bottlenecks uh, in local and international logistics. Of course, it has significant effect on our clients in manufacturing sector, particular who had to reroute some purchase orders to other countries. Um, if you look at the geography, uh, the outbreak particularly affected the southern region uh, with the center in Ho Chi Minh. Uh, mm-hmm. At that time, the, the, it was recording the highest number of daily cases uh, growing. So, But in October last year, the government actually lifted social distancing measures and allowed businesses to resume. If you look at the north of the country uh, and surrounding areas, it underwent the lockdown, uh, but they were able to resume work from September last year. So I think that uh, the fast recovery uh, in Vietnam and also Vietnam's country-wide reopening comes after a significant shift in the government strategy. Unlike other countries, they implemented uh, the strategy of living with virus safely uh, rather than zero uh, COVID-tolerance approach that we see, for instance, in China, right? So starting from September last year, the situation got better and the economy rebounded strongly in last quarter. Uh, We thought that uh, this year that would be following the same trajectory uh, as the last quarter uh, 2021. But there was another outbreak in the north uh, and therefore a lot of businesses actually had to implement some uh, some measures and uh, a lot of labor force was forced to stay at home to recover from Covid but there were no lockdowns actually. So uh, during this time uh, government also implemented support uh, to businesses and different measures. Uh, for instance they uh, suspended the contributions of social insurance by mm-hmm. employees. Uh, some support packages to those employees who were out of work for 15 and more days. They were also support for the businesses themselves. Uh, for instance, banks uh, uh, have agreed to cut the lending uh, rates, uh, uh, land uh, rent reductions, reductions in some tax, uh, for instance, corporate income tax and VAT for businesses. Uh, they were reduced for those businesses who can prove that they were affected by the pandemic. There were certain measures to of, uh, there were certain criteria to meet, of course, uh, for instance, like you need to show that uh, like 30% of your income reduction was during the pandemic. But if you, if you could prove that, you can actually get those like tax reductions. And there were also some measures taken on uh, easing uh, the issue and renewal of work permits for foreigners, which actually was a big, <laughs> big change. And, uh, you know, a lot of foreigners actually... Struggled at that time. But uh, with these new policies, it was, you know, like you didn't even have to physically submit some documents, you could just apply online. So it also attracts a lot of uh, foreigners to be able to travel and get the permits. So starting from September last year, uh, Vietnam gradually opened up. Uh, and in March, the borders were fully open. So now Vietnam is growing uh, quite fast, regardless of their macroeconomic conditions worldwide, like regardless of China's zero, zero tolerance uh, policy and uh, war in the Ukraine. It's actually continuing to attract a lot of foreign direct investment. Uh, and it's uh, we, we see that um, there is a spike of interest starting from March uh, onwards. In conjunction with opening of the borders uh, there are no quarantine measures right now on arrival which makes it much easier for foreign investors to come to the country and actually you know invest and hire people bring their uh, foreign staff to the country so that's a big change Mm,
0: a huge change absolutely and of course a lot of those uh, foreigners going into Vietnam and investing directly into the economy there are from the uh, the UK um what is it that sort of uk businesses are going into vietnam for what opportunities are they seeing within vietnamese sectors do you think
1: all right um yeah i think uh there are several areas to consider here first of all like if you look at the if you look at the trade between uk and vietnam mm. uh we see a significant increase uh it's almost 11% last year So the total uh, trade of goods and services between two countries was 5.5 billion pounds um, Mm -hmm. in 2021. Uh, So UK is actually buying more from Vietnam than actually selling to the market. (laughs) So its imports from Vietnam account to 4.6 billion pounds and it's, um its exports to Vietnam is just 900 uh, million pounds so you can see that it's actually quite a lot of companies quite a lot of British businesses are setting up the production there uh producing products and export back to UK or elsewhere um if you look at the specific categories uh and the products that uh UK exports from Vietnam uh it, it's mainly like waste paper pulp uh, some pharmaceutical products, beverages, metals, uh, aircraft, Mm. and so on. So, uh, and those products that are actually uh, uh, imported to Vietnam uh, are telecoms, sound equipment, clothing, footwear, furniture, and steel. Uh, Those are the top categories, but of course, there are many, many other products that our clients are involved in different sectors. Um, and when we, uh, when we speak with uh, our clients, uh, from the UK, uh, what do they see exactly in the market? How they can leverage? There are several reasons that generally like, um, attract them. First of all, uh, Vietnam is currently leveraging its so-called golden generation. Uh, people of the golden generation just entered the job market and they will continue to contribute to the country, uh, for many years to come. So Vietnam has a large pool of labor force, which is cheap compared to many competitor countries in the area. Mm. Um, and also, it's also very important to notice that government uh, invested heavily into training and improving the quality of this labor force. Uh, also, for some specific uh, sectors, like for niche markets, uh, they provided trainings sometimes together with international investors like for instance, semiconductors, it's a very niche category, but there are experts right now who can, there, there is basically the labor force that can uh, help foreign businesses to uh, to produce this. Or uh, another another factor is also the tax incentives that Vietnam provides, particularly if you uh, invest in into prioritized industries or economic zones that government wants to develop further, so they can provide you some reduction of the corporate income tax to up to 10%, for instance, if you invest in technology for for, for the 15 years, uh, comparing to the traditional 20% uh, on the market. Uh, and also, I think another key factor is um, uh, which attracts a lot of bis- uh, British businesses is of course Vietnam's integration into the global trade. So mm. all the free trade agreements that were signed with ASEAN and other majority of the global trade blocks provides uh, reduced tariff rates uh, or low tariff rates. So we see quite a lot of companies are actually either setting up uh, the production in in Vietnam and then uh, those products can be exported further to all these countries under zero tax rates or like uh, very low reduced tax rates or they export it to Vietnam, they export products to Vietnam, then they process uh, adding some labor, depending on each category, uh, there are certain percentage of labor that needs to be added, some processing in order to qualify for these products to be considered made in Vietnam, and then they follow the same strategy, then uh, those products that are uh, produced in Vietnam, they can be further exported to basically entire region, almost every country because Vietnam signed so many free trade agreements um, with different blocks, different countries, so that you can actually uh, enjoy all these reductions. Um, Mm. If if you look at fast-growing sectors, there are several which we uh, generally point to our uh, clients uh, where they should basically focus, and some of our clients actually already operate in those sectors, um, I'll just mention a few, probably the most uh, fast-growing right now. Uh, first of all, it's electronics Ele- uh, electronic industry is booming right now. Uh, in recent years, Vietnam went from zero to hero and graduated as a key electronic exporter, becoming the 12th exporter of electronic products worldwide. Uh, it's a very fast-developing uh, sector. And uh, if we look at the key electronic products, uh, smartphones, exports contribute to about 50% of total uh, exports from Vietnam. And the main reason uh, that I mentioned already a few times it's uh, to this success is actually uh, low labor costs and better policy incentives compared to other countries. Uh, It all started with Samsung and uh, Intel. They invested in the South region in uh, 2008-2010 and they basically kicked the race of uh, local electronic industry. Further, they followed this investment to the north uh, and started to attract more and more foreign direct investment. So currently, uh, FDI projects uh, usually link to the big uh, multinational leaders in this particular sector and they have like their supply chain going through Vietnam. Uh, another sector I should also mention is probably uh, energy, uh, electricity mm-hmm. sector. It's one of the hottest uh, sectors uh, for foreign direct investment. New energy, renewable energy industries are at the center of Vietnamese government uh, development strategy in the next uh, coming years and they focus on wind uh, energy, solar energy and biomass. So if you are in this sector, if you actually uh, operate, there are a lot of opportunities. You can participate in uh, some big infrastructure development projects, but you can also, uh, you know, provide the related consultancy services for those projects, as an example. Um, And if you look further, I think, uh, textile, like supporting industries, they uh, they were actually booming for the uh, for the decade already. But the government appreciate the importance of those um, uh, sectors uh, development, and uh, they encourage uh, the manufacturing uh, of textile, garment, uh, footwear, electronics, and so on. So there are very favorable tax incentives, mm. uh, usually reserved for the companies who look into special economic zones to attract a higher quality investment in this region. Uh, Also, I think uh, a lot of our clients are looking into automotive industry, mobility industry in general, especially electric mobility in the next years will be, uh, you know, growing with double digits. It it was already growing uh, for the past 20 years and it continues to be the trend. Um, it is estimated that it will grow uh, at about uh, 19% by 2025. So those who are actually producing uh, the, the ve- vehicles, or maybe they are working in the supporting industries, have a lot of uh, have a lot of uh, actually factors to consider. And the reason why uh, that became the one of the fast growing sectors is, first of all. Uh, the WTO agreement and ACA free trade agreements, they have some uh, tariff cuts on vehicles, so it the coast, so it's increasing their affordability. Uh, also, as I said, like one third of the population is actually having their disposable income growing, so uh, it means like they can afford to uh to buy the car to buy the vehicle and the government themselves want to reduce the motorcycles (laughs) which you know is very popular in the country so Mm. they encourage people to actually purchase that vehicles um and another reason it's um the the third major reason is typically considered uh, apart from being convenient and safer way of transportation it's also a symbol of status (laughs) which Mm. is evident in the strength of luxury brands coming uh, among the wealth income group. So, um, two other sectors that I briefly mentioned is probably medical devices. Mm. Um, currently, 90% of medical devices in Vietnam are imported because the local production is just not being able to meet the demand. Um, they mainly produce and supply like some medical supply, basic medical supplies, such as hospital beds and disposables, but uh, other, other than that, uh, government encourages the imports of uh, foreign medical devices in the country. They offer low import duties, uh, no quota restrictions. Uh, but the companies operating in the sector should actually note that uh, only businesses registered in Vietnam processing and import license can distribute the medical devices. So it's very important to realize that if you are in this sector, it will be difficult to do it from overseas. You actually uh, have to establish a local office or appoint a local distributor to work with. And last sector that I should mention is probably textile. Uh, It's been emerging, like Vietnam is a giant in this area, Mm. recently Vietnam uh, rose to become the third largest uh, um, manufacturing hub of textile and garment, just after India and China. So it's appearing to be the top 8 exporter of textile and clothing products uh, all over the world. And if you look at the market, like there are about 9,000 manufacturers who uh, operate in this sector. They produce the textiles, and about 30% of them are actually foreign businesses. So uh, we ourselves see quite a lot of our clients engaged in this sector. So it's continued to be growing, and I think uh, for the upcoming years, that would be also one of the, you know, fast growing sectors to consider
0: yeah textiles certainly will be one of them and uh, two of them that you mentioned as well there Maria were sort of the eco vehicle industry that side of the automotive sector and also energy as well and I think given the kind of drive toward sort of lowering carbon emissions, being more sustainable, but also the theme of energy security that's been driven by the rising oil and gas prices we're seeing at the moment. We could see those two sectors over the next few months and indeed years also growing exponentially in Vietnam, given its investment into eco cars and also into renewable energy, couldn't we?
1: Yes, absolutely. I think uh that is one of the co- it's it's actually not only Vietnam. Uh, I think China is also looking at the same uh at the same technologies and they're encouraging uh, foreign businesses to bring those technologies in the country. Uh and Vietnam is no different. They try to, you know, to look at everything that is green technology, everything that actually uh, you know, helps to develop the more greener approach to the market. Uh, And uh, since there is no that much of their own technology developed, uh, I think foreign investors will definitely benefit of bringing it. Uh, From our side, we're always uh, a bit cautious, and we uh, suggest for the companies who have some IP developed to be very cautious on keeping that IP overseas and then bring it to the market maybe already you know assembled or uh, like the core ip should be uh, should be done overseas but then you bring it to the country you bring it to vietnam to add other uh, components to to actually process it further, but in order to protect your technology, uh, quite a lot of our clients they take in the approach of keeping IP abroad. Like say, like uh, if it's a company producing uh, that technology overseas, mm. and then uh, in Vietnam they just add some some labor and you know implement the project. But um, yeah, it's it's very challenging in those countries to uh, either. You know, like you either have a, some sort of joint venture, that, uh, like some of those infrastructure projects, for instance, they would require you uh, to either have a local partner or you just participate as a consultant, but the core here is yeah, to, to consider uh, the protection of your technology uh, in those sectors, um, which I think companies are aware of, it's just the question of how do you implement the protection of your
0: technology. Yeah, very important for businesses to consider, of course, moving forward as, you know, technology becomes more in demand as we move toward sort of more kind of net zero and sustainable measures. And obviously the Vietnamese economy continues to grow. Um, we are just about um, out of time on the uh, the programme today, uh, Maria, unfortunately. But it's been a real, real pleasure having you join us to talk about the Vietnamese economy and the opportunities that uh, British Thank businesses... Thank you, Scott. a great yeah. pleasure
1: to join It's been amazing.
0: Yeah, it's been fantastic. And just talking more about those opportunities that are out there for business. And um, by all means as well, um, I think it would be fantastic in future to perhaps sort of catch up and uh, sort of have you back on the show, maybe um, to sort of discuss how the Vietnamese economy is developing further, but also discuss some other forces that are in play within uh, various markets around the world as well. It's been very fascinating.
1: Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Uh, it would be great to yeah, to see how this all uh, continue to develop and what are the changes in the market
0: in the upcoming years. Yeah, it would be very good and very productive indeed. Um, in the meantime, Maria, uh, please do take care and stay safe with all that's still going on. And it would be, like I say, good to touch base in future.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Great. It was an immense pleasure welcoming Maria Katova from Desan Shira and Associates onto today's podcast. And I do hope that everybody tuning in thoroughly enjoyed the interview today. Um, just for anybody that is listening into the program today, if you are a business owner or the head of an organization which you feel might have its own story of success to share with us here at the Leaders' Council, then by all means, we would also like to hear from you. So why not also apply to be on our programme via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Until next time all, you have been listening to the Leaders' Council podcast with your host, Scott Chaloner. Please do take care and goodbye.